Welcome to Maggie's Book Bites, podcasting from the Napanee Public Library. I am your host, Maggie. I'm the Youth Services Assistant here at the library, and joining me on today's episode is Sarah. She is a former library staff member, an avid reader, and my friend. Together, we're going to be talking about books that have road trips inside of them. It could be like part of the theme that chapters take characters on road trips, or it could be that they would be great books to read if you were on a road trip. You want to get us started off, Sarah? Sure, yeah. So I'm realizing as I look through my pile of books that I've kind of got a theme here that it's specifically young people going on trips. So I don't know if that's just happens to be the books that I've read or if that seems to be kind of a theme in youth where it's I got to get out, I got to go someplace new, I got to take a journey that's metaphorical and literal, what it is. But I've got Apparently, I've got young people in each one of my <laughs> in each one of my stories. I mean, the first one is by an author named Suleika Jawad. She is a memoirist, um, and the book is called Between Two Kingdoms. We have it at Napanee in e audio and e book, but not the physical book itself. So it's nonfiction. It's memoir. It was a massive bestseller, um, and it is her chronicle of excuse me two things. The first part of the book chronicles her um, experience with leukemia. She was just barely out of college. She had moved to Paris. She had fallen in love. She'd gotten a um, great job. She was on her way to becoming what she hoped would be a war correspondent, a journalist. And then she started getting itchy. Uh, literally, her disease started with a just a relentless itch, and it turned out to be leukemia. And so in a very short span of time, just before her 23rd birthday, she was diagnosed. She came back home to New York to start into treatment, and basically her life just became cancer, one big cancer. Um, and she spent the next, I think, four years of her life, mostly in the hospital, fighting for her life. Um, wow. So it is the first part of the book chronicles her experience with leukemia, specifically as a young person with a very slim chance of survival. And her experiences in the hospital, not just in treatment, but also um, uh, making a community with other people who were also fighting leukemia, young people who were fighting um, various forms of cancer. And so in the course of that part of the book, you get this really intimate inside look into that harrowing experience, but you also meet this really lovely cast of other characters, um, people who were dear friends of hers by the end, who were also fighting for their lives. And so it's one of those things where I think any kind of a devastating illness, but especially cancer, like it's very easy for those of us who have not been touched by that to um, to think of it as something that happens to somebody else. And one of the things she does so beautifully in this book is um, in digging through her experiences and mining them for wisdom and insight, it becomes very clear, like all of us are just one diagnosis away from catastrophe, right? It's just unusual for it to be when you're just barely starting into your life, you know, at age 23. So the first half of the book is a cancer journey, right? Um, she comes out of the treatment, um, her cancer is in remission, and she has to figure out in part two, basically, she has to figure out what it means to live after survival, right? How to not just survive something like that, but then, okay, now how do I live? I'm 27 years old, what, what does my life look like after this? Um, and she's lived multiple lifetimes in one, you know, four year span of her young adulthood. So um, she ends up deciding to take off on a cross country road trip. I think it's 15,000 miles, hundred days um, in a yellow van with her new dog, Oscar, a rescue pup who's 
rather grumpy. He's He himself is just a really wonderful character. Oscar is her dog. And she and Oscar take off around the country in her van to um, the the kind of connecting thread of the uh, the journey is that she stops and meets with people who had sent her letters along the way um, because she, in the midst of her cancer, she was chronicling her experiences in a column for the New York Times called Life Interrupted, and she got floods of mail from people. And so on this trip she takes around the country, she stops and visits with people who sent her letters. And so you get their stories as well. And it's just this, I mean, again, if, if a, it's not just a road trip narrative, but if any, any, any it's book a healing about, journey, it's a healing journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and any book about a journey in general, like it's perfect for a book because you have this, you have a structure, you have a built in structure, right? Like a beginning, a middle and end you're going somewhere literally, yeah. but also then the story can go somewhere too. So it's just a really beautifully done book. Like not only the, the way she handles writing about her cancer journey, it's kind of I kind of hate that word for cancer, but be yeah. that as it may, her cancer journey, and then the literal journey she takes around the country to come to terms with what's next, right? And then meeting these people who corresponded with her and sharing their stories and figuring out how her stories resonates with theirs or not. It's just, it's I can't, I honestly can't say enough good about this book. It's and what was the title written. and the author again? It's called Between Two Kingdoms, Between which is um, I don't know if you've ever heard the idea of there are two kingdoms: the kingdom of the well and the kingdom of the ill, right? And that all of us spend some time in one kingdom yeah, or another bouncing back and forth. Yeah, bouncing back and forth and this part of her book this um the, the road trip itself takes place metaphorically between those two kingdoms right like i'm no longer sick the way that i was i'm starting to be well but i i'm kind of living in that in yeah, between in yeah it's an amazing book again we've got e-audio e-book um, it's very, very worth your time. It's wonderful. Wow. So I thought it was funny that you just mentioned that because I had not read that book. But my first title here that I have also has a, a journey of hope. This is You Are My Sunshine, A Story of Love, Promises, and a Really Long Bike Ride by Sean Diedrich. Now, he also has a blog. So he's writing constantly for his um, column. And it is laugh out loud funny, but the whole book starts in parts, kind of like you were just saying Between Two Kingdoms does. And the first part of this book, it is several decades in the past and his wife um, is going through a traumatic experience with pretty much having to have her entire reproductive system removed. It changes the course of what they believe their life is gonna look like together, their marriage, all these different things. and while they are in the midst of all of that, she just goes, I wanted to do something big with my life. I wanted to do something big. And he promises her to the ends of the earth, we're going to do something big. Fast tracked through this journey into part two of our story. Um, it's in the middle of COVID. The mailman is delivering mail to all the wrong houses, but in the middle of their mail is like a travel magazine, a bicycling magazine full of all these buff people. And it opens to a page, again, the mail for somebody that's not them, opens to this page about this bike route, this CNO bike route. And his son, or excuse me, Sean's wife is just enamored. We're going to do this. She becomes fixated on the idea. And through COVID, so that's definitely plays a part in the storyline, they take off and they are very ill-prepared bicycle enthusiasts 
Sean himself is scared of bikes, and so she gets him a trike path, and nobody knows what a recumbent bike is, and so everybody's laughing at him, and he's like, anyway, so it is a fantastic story. The humor comes through the pages, even though, um, again, the the medical journey on it is really, really hard to to read. He puts it forth in such a funny way. It just makes sense. And Sean's wife is a school teacher and his pet name for his wife is the math teacher. So like (laughs) it can be a very serious something happening. People they're meeting their stories as they're on this bike path. And he's like, and then the math teacher said, hurry up. Or why do you keep looking at my butt or whatever it is? And it's just humorous. Uh, the way he writes. So that was You Are My Sunshine. It is the story of love, promises, and a really long bike ride. A very, very quick read. And I think it was it was perfect for this segment. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. I want to read that one. Okay. Go. Okay. All right. So my next book is called Into the Wild. It's by John Krakauer. Um, it is nonfiction. It's a piece of reportage. It was also a massive bestseller. Um, if you know the title, it might be because you've seen the movie version, which uh, Sean Penn, uh, Sean Penn produced and created. The movie is wonderful. I recommend the movie as well. But the book, the original, is is phenomenal. It's one of the best pieces of nonfiction writing I have ever read. We have it in book, e-audio, and ebook format here at um, at Napanee, um, and it is. It's not really a memoir. It's not really a biography. It's a little bit of uh, both because even though Krakauer is reporting on the story. He's not a distant observer the way traditional journalism is. He is in the story. He's giving you his thoughts and feelings about this. He's invested. Uh, he's, in, he's invested. Yeah, he is emotionally invested. In fact, he admits um, partway through the book that the search for this story of uh, Christopher McCandless, the boy who dies in the book, um, and this is his journey that Krakauer is telling. Krakauer admits kind of got obsessed with it, right? Like he has to find out what happened. So um, the premise of the book is that a young man named Christopher McCandless is from a well-to-do family. He hitchhikes into Alaska after giving away all his stuff, ditching his car, giving like $25,000 in money or of his money to charity, gives away all his stuff and hitchhikes into Alaska and into the wilderness north of Mount McKinley. And then four months later, I think he is found by a moose hunter um, dead in an old school bus. And so Krakauer, the reporter, the story that he's trying to tell is not just this thing happened to a young man, but he's also digging into the why of the story, right? Why would this uh, rich kid, right, uh, from an ostensibly loving family with every every privilege in the world offered to him, why would he ditch his life and walk into the wilderness? What compels somebody to do something like that? So. Um, that's why I say it's not quite a memoir. It's not quite a biography. It's it's just as much a missing it's person like mystery. Investigative journalism. It really is. It's investigative. It's immersive journalism is yeah. the word we would use. It's investigative journalism. And so it's a missing person mystery. Um, and this was a bestseller for a reason. It's an awesome book, but it was also a really well-known story. And so Krakauer is trying to figure out um, not only what happened to Christopher McCandless, how, how did he die? What happened, right? But what would compel him to do this? And he really digs into... The mind, the heart, the soul um, of this young idealist with with big dreams, and it is um, it is by turns it's it's heartbreaking. Obviously, you know from the beginning that it's going to be a tragedy, but it's also fascinating. This kid, um, Chris McCandless, was a really divisive figure. Once his story um, came out after he was found, a lot of people had a lot of opinions about what happened to him, um, saying he was naive, he was an idiot to walk into 
one of the most remote parts of our country into the wilderness completely unprepared. He had no business doing that. And other people kind of treated him more like um, an idealistic hero, right? Like somebody who's a legend. Big, yeah, he's yeah. a legend. Somebody who did a big, brave thing and it ended badly, right? So lots of people had lots of different opinions. And I think that's what I love about the book so much is that Krakauer, um, he doesn't sentimentalize the story. He doesn't mythologize McCandless. He just tries to figure out what the heck happened, right? What what's going on in the mind and the heart of this of this young person to compel him to do this, and what can we learn from it? Right. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best pieces of nonfiction I've ever read. It reads like any thriller you would find in the fiction shelves. It's a phenomenal mystery. Um, it's just a really really gorgeous piece of writing. So I highly highly recommend it. And what was the title and author again? It's called Into the Wild, and the author is John Krakauer. It looks so tiny to be containing so much content yeah it's not i would say it's a fast read because it's hard to put down um, it yeah. just keeps churning along but it's a really it's the kind of book that you want to go back and you read passages again because it's um it's not a fluffy read by any means it's a bit heavier but it's oh, it's a beautiful book so i like to read books about characters going on a journey while i'm on a journey myself yes do you ever like like i read books while I'm traveling, of people traveling. Uh, yes, one of my books, and actually a couple of the books in my stack were, were like that, but that's, was like, a, that's, that's a thing for me. So when I was going to a conference, oh golly, was it last year, two years ago, and flying out to Reno, I was reading this book. It's called Maps for a Getaway. It's by Annie England Noblin. Three friends, one dog, and an amazing road trip that they will never forget. I like this book because it kind of felt like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, yeah. in that there's a group of people here, I'll just kind of read the synopsis. Four young people pose for a photo of their high school graduation. Life is on the open road, yet they vow to always be close to one another as they are in that moment. They're never going to change. But teenage promises are easily broken. And 20 years later, they are practically strangers. So this is the journey of them coming back together, becoming reacquainted with each other, and how much they've kind of hidden from each other and what's happened in their lives. since. And so in this story, they're headed to... Um, Las Vegas, and then they're they're just kind of like on this whole big. I love this story. I felt like each of the different characters. I felt they embodied who I was in different moments of my life, and they felt like my friends and the conversations that they had um, with each other and the trouble that they had with each other. All those things just felt very real. So it's a fiction book, but you just feel yourselves within the pages, and I loved this one. That's what I was going to ask. It almost sounds like a memoir, but it's fiction? Yeah. Okay. But it kind of makes you go, I wonder what happened to the author that she could write in such a compelling way that all the characters felt so real. Yeah. And of course, we have to have a cute little dog that's its sidekick Every in the story. Every story the dog is Every cool. single one. And even the author's biopic has a dog in it, so you know she comes from a... Um, you know, a, a pet loving home. So I, I love this book and it was a super cute, it almost be like women's fiction. Um, if you just need an easy read. Okay. So there you go. So this was maps for a getaway, Annie England, Noblin, three friends, one dog and an amazing road trip that they'll never forget. Okay. You keep bringing the light ones. I'll keep bringing them. There you go. We'll balance <laughs> each other out. Well, I have some fiction too. This was, you were asking me if I uh, read books about people going on journeys while I myself am going on a journey. And yes, I do. I love that. That's just kind of a thing for me. And this is a book. It's a massive book. Um, and it's one that I listened to. I listened to the audio. Highly recommend the audio book. It's called The Lincoln Highway. It's by, I think his name is Amor Tolls. I'll always forgiven if we mispronounce our yeah, author's name. I've only ever read the name, not heard it said, but I think it's Amor Tolls. A-M-O-R. 
T-O-W-L-E-S, the Lincoln Highway, and we have it in all formats. We've got book, audio, ebook, e-audio. I highly recommend the audio. The narrator is fantastic. And I started this one on a, <laughs> I started listening to this one on a road trip, and I could not stop. It was the audio version of Can't Put It Down. I just kept listening. I kept pausing it briefly and then would go on to the next thing that started up and I'd listen to it while I was folding laundry. And then I finished it on a run because I could not stop listening. Um, but it's historical fiction. It was a massive bestseller. Once again, it's set in the summer of 1954. And the story is about an 18 year old guy named Emmett, who is, it begins right after he's released basically from juvie, from a, from a work, a prison work camp um, for young people. He's served a year for involuntary manslaughter. We don't find out for a while into the book what happened there, right? What landed him in, in jail. We just know he's just been released. He gets back to the family farm. His dad has just died. His mom took off a long time ago and his little brother has been staying with family friends. And when he gets back to the farm, he basically, they're gonna lose the farm. And so he signs it over to the bank and his plan is to take his brother in his, uh, in his car and they're going to head west and start life over out of nebraska out to the west coast start life over his little brother has been keeping postcards from their mother for years and he has pulled out the postcards as clues and his dream is that they're, they're going to follow the postcards they're going to follow the postcards they know, <gasps> oh, she, they like know from her postcards that she took the lincoln highway out west when she took off um and he really wants to follow her postcards to see if they can find her and they're going to follow the lincoln highway hence the name of the book. But after the cop leaves, um, Emmett discovers that two of his friends, quote unquote, from the prison work camp have stowed away in the sheriff's car and are at the house and they have a different plan for them. And those two friends are named Duchess and Willie and their plan is for Emmett to take them to New York so that they can, let's just say, pick up a sum of money that they believe to be rightfully Woolies. And they're going to split it three ways and they're, they're offering it to oh. Emmett. So he's got competing demands yeah. on his, right? Like his little brother's going, we're going to go west. We're going to go find mom. And Emmett's thinking, I just want to start over and start a new life. And Duchess and Wooly, his friends from the prison camp, are saying, just do this one favor for us. Take us to New York in the opposite direction. And you can probably imagine that what's ensuing is a total split. It is a total, of, yeah. yeah. Oh. So he agrees to drop them off at the train station in Omaha. They steal his car. So he ends up going out to New York anyway. He and his brother are hopping trains to get out there. They're chasing down his friends. It is the twistiest, turniest piece of fiction, a road trip in both directions with honestly, maybe the best cast of characters, some of the best characters I've ever met in any novel whatsoever. And this incredible brother, like it's a friend story, but it's also a brother story. But they're also, the only family each other has. They're the only family each other has. Yeah. But it's also, there's a bit of a mystery. You find out that each character who's on this trip, even whether they're together or whether they're separate and they're chasing each other down, they all have different agendas. And you find out more about those agendas as they're going on the trip. Every chapter is told over the course of 10 days and every chapter is told by a different character um. whose story is kind of at the center of that chapter it is a phenomenal book it's just so tightly woven it's 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 impeccable those are the types of books where i love to like look at the author's storyboard and go how in the world did you how like, did you put this connect together? it together and weave it so tightly from different yeah. perspectives and usually i'm i'm kind of a spoiler of books myself like a lot of times i feel like i can pick up on what's coming long before it's mm -hmm. happening that's just kind of a thing of being 
or writers, you can sort of go, I know where you're going there. I literally could never have told you at every single turn in the book. I could not have said what was going to happen next, wow. but it's not like a ha, gotcha yeah. kind of thing. It's just that well-built of a story. So highly recommend it. Again, it's The Lincoln Highway by Emmer Tolls. It's historical fiction. Phenomenal book. Great road trip read. Great listen. Yeah. You want to do a book together that we both really love? Yes. Okay, love so book. here we are. Here's my Vienna White Hands. I'm showcasing <laughs> the cover of a book, The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise. This is Dan Gemmenhart's. That's how I say it. Is that how you say it? I think it's Gemmenhart, yeah. Um, this is going to be a middle grade read. Middle grade would be like beyond your boxcar children intro to chapter books, but not quite a teen book. Our main character is like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And you, Sarah, and I, we both fall in love with Coyote. Mm -hmm. So that is not her real name. Coyote has been rebranded by her dad, who also has a new name. He goes by Rodeo. They live in a school bus. It's a little bit not quite um, a happy-go-lucky story. Yeah, it's not a happy-go-lucky story. No. But the premise, it sounds so like, woohoo, daughter and dad on an adventure. Yes. But you find out it's not quite that. It is not quite that. So in the beginning of our book, we meet uh, Coyote. She is just, she just needs some bananas in the middle of the gas station. And, you know, you fall in love with this barefooted girl who has a real big opinion on Slurpees. And you are instantly immersed into the laissez-faire of her life. Coyote and her dad, Rodeo, they live in a school bus. They pretty much just follow their whims going cross country with the goal of never going back to their home because their home is filled with way too many memories. Um, Rodeo's wife, Coyote's mom, and then their sisters, um, Coyote's sisters are all killed in a car accident. And as a means of grief, they take off. They don't, they don't go home. And um, Coyote is homeschooled. She kind of homeschools herself. Mm -hmm. So and, and they just, in the, oh yeah, yes, yeah. that's that's a good way to say it. Unschooled, and they just kind of just crisscross the country, follow their whims and wishes. They see all different types of people, and as you're reading this, different characters come into play. Mm -hmm. You keep going. What else did you like about this book? Well, I think one of the things I liked about like Coyote is just um, from what I remember of this story, she's one of my favorite. Um, young characters in middle grade fiction. She's she's scrappy. She's smart. She's a little bit sassy. She's tender. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about middle grade fiction, and I know we've talked about this before, is like, just because the character is a kid, the author does not treat the character like they don't know anything. Mm -hmm. You're learning something from Coyote. You're seeing the world through her eyes. You're seeing her figure out some of these dynamics with her dad, right? Like she's playing along yes. with his I don't know what else to call it other than grief game. Yeah. His grief coping game. Like this is a this is a life he has invented for them to cope with massive trauma and grief. And but she's while she's dealing with her own. While she's dealing with her own grief yeah. and she's coming into teenagerhood. Like her body is going through changes, her heart and her mind are going through changes. Like all of this stuff that she is living with and living through, she's going along with her dad. She's doing this with him, but she's also not unaware. And yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about the book is that she is a wise she's I don't street feel, wise. She's streetwise, yeah. I don't feel like the I don't feel like Dan Gimmenhart, the author, is using her like talking like an adult through a kid character. She feels like a kid, but like a kid who's seen some stuff. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, she's a wonderful character. But like all the other road trip books too, you get, um, because we're 
literally traveling a lot of, we're covering a lot of ground in the journey, you get to, in the book, see these different landscapes. That yeah, they, that and the they describe them see. so well. Yeah, yeah. So you really feel like you're on that journey too. Like you're mm-hmm. getting to, I don't know, in that book or in Into the Wild, um, any, any, any one of these books that we've talked about where the characters are traveling places, we get to see those places too. And she and her dad are covering a lot of ground. They so, are. Yeah. yeah While living really in a school bus. bus. In an old school bus, a converted old school bus. So you go from middle grade fiction to an inspirational fiction. Sister Chicks is going to be like a six, seven book series by Robin Jones Gunn. This is uh, would be considered um, like Christian fiction. And each of these books in this series, it they travel. So I wouldn't call this a road trip read as much as um they're not on a road trip but they go places so in this first book here it's about um two best friends that head to finland obviously you can't drive to finland from the united states um and so they go on this journey and it's it's been written several years ago so back before people really started um like tracing their heritage journey so like the this, family heritage yeah too. and like where did i come from mm-hmm. who who am i and so this felt like groundbreaking books but the humor comes across kind of like lucille ball <laughs> you know what i mean like they just get into different things but like their their friendship is totally ingrained in who they are and they're they're dealing with a lot our characters are very um open and honest with each other um, through the course of making these travel arrangements together, and they they just have an, a buttload of fun, an <laughs> absolute buttload of fun. Shenanigans. And, yes, there you go. That that sounds much more um, <laughs> adult. Shenanigans. And you know, over a twenty year friendship, you think you know people, but traveling with them, rooming with them, is a whole different ballpark. Um, Sister chicks, you could read each book individually. You don't have to read them um, one after another, but. For Christian fiction books, these ones are absolutely laugh out loud funny. This was Sister Chicks on the Loose. This is the first in the kickoff of the series. Okay. All right. Um, I've got another, well, no, I guess this is my first young adult fiction, teen fiction. Um, It's Paper Towns by John Green. Again, a pretty well-known book because there was a movie version of it, uh, maybe... 2015, I think. So yeah, like six years ago or seven years. Oh, what year is it? Eight years <laughs> ago. Eight years ago. Uh, there was a movie version of Paper Towns, and John Green is kind of a rock star in the world of young adult fiction. And um, he's a Hoosier. And he's a Hoosier. He's an Indianapolis guy. Um, <laughs> so we love John Green here. He is funny. He is. You just can't go wrong with his books. But Paper Towns uh, follows the story of Quentin Q, who is in his last few weeks of high school. And um, one night, a, a let's say an old friend of his, Margot, she's a super popular girl at his school. She, she and he have kind of had a bond since they were little. Um, I won't spoil anything, but they had a they had a kind of an, a harrowing experience when they were kids together that bonded them in sort of a unique way. And they haven't really been good friends since they were kids. Uh, but they go to the same school. She's super popular. He's kind of a band geek. She shows up one night and enlists his help on. A shenanigan, um, <laughs> a really elaborate, basically a revenge scheme, like an eleven-part uh, overnight revenge scheme, where they go from place to place, um, pulling pranks on people who have wronged her somehow. And then after that, one night of fun. Also, Quentin, I should say, Quentin still harbors a massive crush on Margot. He's he's basically so he's going to do whatever she he's going to do whatever she asks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's this. Um, 
kind of mystical, mystical figure in his mind, and he's, he's really in love with her. So he follows her along in this shenanigan. He helps her do this um, kind of ridiculous revenge prank plan. And then the next day, finds out she's gone. She's disappeared. She has taken off, and nobody knows where she has gone. And he's the last person and that saw her. And he's the last person that saw her. And it is a missing, it becomes a missing person case. Um, and in those weeks before graduation, basically, he is consumed with figuring out what happened to her, where'd she go. Um, in the course of trying to figure that out, he discovers her copy of Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman, and she's highlighted specific passages. And those passages, he is convinced are clues to where she's gone. So basically he spends his last few weeks of high school trying to track her down, following these obscure clues to different places, all of which turn out to be what's called paper towns and something she was obsessed with. Paper towns are subdivisions that almost got built, like basically got partly built and then never finished. So they are actual places with names on a map that don't really exist in any meaningful way. So the big road trip that the story culminates in, he's got 24 hours. He figures out that she is somewhere in New York, in a paper town in New York, and he's got 24 hours to get there because she she leaves a clue that she'll only be there till like noon on graduation day. And so he and his two of his friends pile into his minivan and take a overnight road trip up to New York to try to track her down, and they do. And I'm not going to spoil it for you from there, but they find her. And it's this epic journey of, it's a coming of age story, right? So again, the literal and the metaphorical journey, the road trip, but also the, the interior journey that's happening. But it's also him reckoning with um, kind of the idea you have of somebody versus the reality of who they really are and how those two things do or don't actually match up. So it is, it is by turns hilarious. It's a really funny book. The audio is excellent. I listened to it. But it's also really moving, which is very much a John Green thing. Like he can make you laugh on one page and leave you in tears on the next page. Yeah. And you just don't mind because it's just so good. So again, that's Paper Towns by John Green. We've got all the formats here at uh, the library and it is excellent. So I have not read the book or no. watched the movie. I haven't watched did the movie. Did they do? Oh, you haven't watched it. I, haven't I was going to ask yet. you if they did a pretty good job. Um, the cast is good, I know. I'd like to watch the movie, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It kind of takes me a while. If there's a book that I really love, it takes me a while to like work up the courage to watch the movie. The version. only time that I would disagree with that is when like they play, they have no like producer in the author. Like oh. as long as the author, I feel like helps in some way. It's usually, it's usually pretty okay. good. Yeah. 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 As long as they have some say in making it into the different thing that it's going to be as a movie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I haven't watched this one. I, uh, I kind of forgot there was a movie version. So <laughs> I love the book a lot, though. Have you read Subpar Parks? I love Subpar Parks. Yes. I started following them a long time ago as an Instagram account. I did not even know it was an Instagram account. It's so good. I read this book out loud to my family just this <laughs> last weekend. So Subpar Parks is by Amber Sher, who Sarah was just saying, also has an Instagram account. She is a graphic artist, uh, somebody who loves to travel, and she kind of found a niche in how people leave reviews for places. So you're not just talking about the the waiter in a restaurant, like not coming and filling your drink the second you finish your last gulp, but like people who cannot find joy in something that is magnificent. Magnificent, <laughs> yes. So this is going to be like national parks that get really bad reviews and she takes them and she makes 
these wonderful illustrated graphics and then she overlays them with typography with people's less than impressed <laughs> reviews one star reviews of national parks and then, by the way you, they can't see what you're holding no they cannot see these are, like, you have picture, to like look this up yeah picture like vintage travel posters of national parks they're such throat like the style is so delightfully throwback yes but and they look inspiring like it's the type of thing you would think would say come visit the great sand dunes of Texas, Indiana or whatever it is, yes. except for it's got a terrible review instead of something that, yeah, it's, yeah. So, <laughs> so here's uh, Pinnacles National Park. So it's a beautiful illustration. The sun is coming up over the cliffs. And then somebody said, one star review, it's a bunch of rocks, big deal. Yeah. Or <laughs> somebody who's been to go see the Grand Canyon. And instead of being an absolute awe, like most of people are, they call it a really big hole in the, the ground, ground. <laughs> <laughs> or the statue of liberty what's the big deal it's just a giant big green statue like i feel like children can describe and be in awe of all the wonderful things that are national parks and memorials and parks and all these wonderful things that are treasured by our country and then there's people who just couldn't give a crap. They're not going to be impressed no matter what. No, this is a hilarious, hilarious take. But then it also goes back and it's not just the things that people find flaws in, but it's also going to explain if you're not familiar with a park or a memorial. She goes through and she'll explain when it was, um, like when it became started or founded, when it became recognized, a little bit more about it if you've never been there, what most people experience. And then again, it's going to have the opposing picture with the typography over the top. Um, you know, you go to the forest and the trees are in the middle of the view. How dare those trees be in, uh, in a protected forest? Yeah, it was it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. You just got to read it. If you can't get to the book, um, then follow the Instagram account. This is Amber Shares Subpar Parks, America's Most Extraordinary National Parks and Their Least Impressed Visitors. It's a good one. Okay. Um, I'm and gonna... this one makes us laugh in your books. Yeah, make us I'm cry. Make... I'm sorry. I'm gonna... I've got another sad one. It's so inspiring, but also it is, it's a, it's a tearjerker. I was telling Maggie earlier that this was one. Okay, so my next book is a heartbreaker. Um, I'm going to bring us back down here. I was telling Maggie earlier that this was a book that I read and I sobbed. I, I wept. Um, but, but like, it's a good kind of weep. I, I don't know if I can convince you guys to read a book that will likely make you cry, but it is, it's a good kind of cry. It's called A Heart in a Body in the World, and it's by um, a young adult author named Deb Coletti. This is teen fiction at the library. It's in our teen collection. We have the book and the e-audio. Maggie has listened to the book and good audio, good narrative. I don't remember it not being good, but I could tell you exactly what I was doing when I was listening to it. There you go. That's so I feel like it was this profound emotional experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, that's usually a mark. If you can remember where you were when you were listening to it, it's usually a mark of a good audiobook. But I read the physical book and just it's it's beautiful. Um, Maggie had a book uh, that dealt with a cycling adventure cross country. This one is a running adventure. And so I'm an, I'm an endurance runner, which, so I'm immediately hooked into the premise of this story anyway. Um, but it's also a different kind of road trip narrative. She's on foot. Um, and I don't wanna to give too much away, but the premise of the story, it follows a young woman, a high schooler named Annabelle, um, who has a, a traumatic experience at a party um, 
without giving too much away, there's a young man who had been really obsessively interested in her, who she'd been friends with, but kind of keeping at a distance just because there were some uncomfortable things about him. And then ultimately she, uh, she ends up rejecting him in a very direct way. Um, when she gets to a point where she's like, this is just not okay anymore. Um, she calls him the taker and you don't learn his part of her story all at once. You get it in flashbacks throughout the narrative. And so, um, it, it's revealed to you exactly what happened to her that was so so traumatic. But um, the, the the inciting event is uh, she rejects this young man and um, he carries out an act of violence at a party that she's at that leaves two of her, um, well, her boyfriend and her best friend dead and, um, and her with some massive, massive trauma. And one night, not quite a year after that, um, maybe nine months or so after that, she is She's at a random fast food restaurant getting food and has a pretty casual encounter with somebody else at the restaurant that is unpleasant to her in ways that are immediately triggering. And she takes off, literally starts running. And she runs until she's several miles away from home and gets a phone call from her mom, who is panicked, obviously, because they don't know where she is. She's been gone for several hours. And she says to her mom, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm going to keep running. I, I'm going to run to Washington, D.C. And it's a sudden idea that occurs to her over the course of that, you know, that night's worth of running. And she makes good on her promise. She embarks on what turns out to be a um, an epic cross-country run. She runs every single day. Um, and she's supported by her family. She's supported by her family, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's that is, that's part of the story that I love a lot. But her grandpa shows up with his RV. She had intended to do the run by herself and stay at hotels overnight in bed and breakfast and he shows up with his RV and says, nope, we'll be doing this together. Yep. So he's her support vehicle. She ends up with um, friends that join her on the way. She ends up with her brother and one of her best friends being her, basically her publicity for it. And she, in the, in the course of doing a run that I think it originally starts as a way to deal with her own trauma, she becomes an unlikely activist. Yes. Um, bringing awareness to gun violence and also to relational violence. And she finds in the midst of that attention, she's every day, she's just pounding out her runs. But in the midst of that attention, she's also finding her thoughts, finding out how to heal. And she's finding her voice. She's got something to say about what happens, but it takes her a long time to figure out what it is. So she's not just going to Washington, D.C. because... That sounds like a fun place to end up. No. She is going there with a purpose. She's going there with a purpose. And her, her entire journey and her inner thought is to what I'm going to say needs to come out of my mouth when I get to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. These people need to hear what I have to say. Yep. And yeah. it it's very emotional. It's powerful. It's powerful. And she starts, I forgot to say, the story starts in Seattle. So she's literally at the other side of the country. It's literally cross country. Um, and it's one of those things where... Um, I, I'm always a little bit hesitant about quote unquote issues books, especially in fiction, because sometimes they can feel like the story is actually not the point, that the issues are the point and the story is just a vehicle for the issues. And that doesn't feel great when you're reading it, but the best, I feel like the best YA does this so well, where it can be a book about really big, urgent, and timely, important, terrifying things. But Deb Coletti does not do it in a heavy-handed way. I don't feel like this is just a book about gun violence and relational violence. It's a book about a young woman on a journey, literal and metaphorical again, who, who has had these experiences and having to figure out 
kind of like what Zuleika Jouad spoke in the beginning that I was talking about. Yeah. How do you live after you survived, right? She's the lone survivor of this. The young man that came to the party with a gun had intended for her to be the victim. And she wasn't. It was her best friend. So what do you do after you've survived something like that? How do you go on? Mm-hmm. It's her trying to wrestle with that, same as Soleika Jouad, the cancer survivor. Like, what what does it mean for me to have a life after this? Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I think all these books have, like, such a, a theme of not just going places physically, mm-hmm. but it is also that entire journey through mm-hmm. the emotions, through the healing through the mental anguish yep. and going from one place and ending up at another. Yes. And ending up in another, ending up a different person, right? Mm-hmm. Starting somewhere and ending somewhere else, both physically and as a person, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever it may yeah. be. That's why journeys make such good stories. They, they just do. They're, it's, it's the perfect structure for something like that. So good book, A Heart in a Body in the World by Deb Coletti. And I've read some of her other ones, and they always have wonderful themes that nobody else is writing about. Mm -hmm. They're almost scared, but they're such conversation openers, and I love that. She's a bold, yeah, she's a bold writer. She tackles stuff that is hard to touch. Um, Yeah. So we've had fiction, nonfiction. We've had memoirs, biographies. We've had middle grade. We've had YA. And I'm going to round it out with a kid's bio. Have you read Alice Across America? I haven't, but I am I'm here for a kid's it bio. It is so cute. So this is the story of the women's first cross-country road trip. It is by Sarah Glenn Marsh. And this is the story of Alice, who is an avid, avid horsewoman. She is always found on horseback growing up. But as cars start to enter society, her horse gets spooked and her husband um, buys her car. And cars are still very, very new. You're thinking like those old timey pictures where the drivers like have goggles on to protect their face because there's not a traditional windshield. There's no doors. Turn of the century. Yes. Yes. It's like groundbreaking. Well, Alice, she takes a two-day course and is becomes like kind of the infamy of not only are cars new, but she is one of the best drivers. And oh my word, she ends up being a woman. And so everybody's kind of like, oh, she can't do this. She can't drive a car. And she's a groundbreaker. She is approached by an automobile company to kind of help them sell a car and they ask her to please drive across cross country. She takes her best friend. She takes her two sister-in-laws and they do just that. Nine months later, they take off and they have to like kind of do some training. They learn how to clean their own spark plugs. They learn how to change tires. And again, you're talking turn of the century. They have to um, do like crank the car to get it started. You're not just talking about an automatic. It is hard work and they are up for it. And so this is a kid's biography, wonderfully character um, illustrations, bright colors, but it follows them through their journey. And it's not going to be a modern highways story. They Most of what they travel ends up being muddy, ruddy, unpaved roads and it's their entire journey somebody's going ahead of them trying to mark up publicity and the goal is to sell cars and so they do just that it's so fun so this isn't they didn't travel like the precursor to route 66 or something like that did they um you know i didn't read the end 
papers to see if that was the end of the story. I was just looking at the map wondering, thinking but, that looks an awful lot like Yeah, but it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine. I mean, they get stuck um, on the side of the road, and they have to have a horse pull them out. And there's another instance where they stay in a hotel that ends up having bed bugs. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's still you learn something. And kids' books are often kind of, like, thought of as an afterthought, but you can still learn wonderful things from children's biographies without them being long. Alice Across America, the story of the first women's cross-country road trip by Sarah Glenn Marsh is going to round it out on today's episode. I am so glad that you joined us. You did a great job, Sarah. Thank you. I think you, um, <laughs> I'm a for you well, but you intrigued me on some of these that I haven't read that I'm definitely going to. So Same. you pitched some wonderful ones. Same. Our next episode is going to highlight titles with medical themes. We have an EMS employee that's going to share some of her favorite books. And then the titles and the topics that we talk about will also have characters that maybe work in a hospital or have a medical degree, a background. And so it's going to be just a fun uh, way to bring those topics together. This podcast is like pertaining specifically to our local library community, but if you stumbled on Maggie's book bites outside of the greater Napanee area, don't be afraid to check your own public libraries. Maybe even a local bookstore might have some of the titles that we've mentioned. If you're local, give us a call. We'd be happy to set some of these titles aside for you. We can put them on hold with your library card. And if you want to just come in and browse our shelves, stop the staff. We'd be happy to help you find something great to read. To learn more about some of the services and the programs that we provided, just visit us online at napanielibrary.org. And don't forget to subscribe from to this podcast for some additional content. We will see you next month for another great episode. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks this was so me. fun. See you later. See ya.